The sinking of the Titanic, Charles Barkley's favorite word, and the news I'm about to tell you. Terrible. This is Locked On Big 12. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome into Locked On Big 12, another emergency Sunday edition. I am Drake Toll from ESPN Central Texas. Thank you for making Locked On Big 12 your first listen every single day. It's always a crazy, crazy weekend in the Dose Grande and the Big 12. And obviously, it was no different this weekend, namely Baylor beating UCF despite trailing 35 to 7. 35 to 7. Unfathomable. But that's not the terrible news. The terrible news is. Not that Houston is floundering in the Big 12. The terrible news is not that Cincinnati's defense couldn't hold up against BYU. The terrible news is, is not even that West Virginia beat TCU. The terrible news is that those two teams, which we hate, the two teams that are leaving our league, Texas and Oklahoma, are good. I think I've finally come to the point in my life. By the way, I'm wearing a Baylor shirt today because I, for the first time since basically starting this podcast, I'm no longer embarrassed to wear Baylor, Baylor gear. Uh, but I am really disheartened by the fact that when two teams decide to leave this league, you know, well, we're in a scenario here. Like We look around the, around the country, right? Clemson and UNC and Florida say they all want to leave the ACC. Well, it, what's the best way to send them out? Beat them. Make them look silly. In the Pac-12, what's the best thing for Washington State and Oregon State to do? It's to win, to beat Utah like Oregon State did. Nicely done, BYU fans. That's all great, right? We love that. We love to see the underdog win. The team that's big and bad and leaving and feels like it has leverage gets beat. They lose. That's what we like. That's what this is all about, right? So what makes expansion great is that we can watch these schools that think they are holier than thou lose, fall flat on their face. To an extent, that's, a, that's kind of with this Colorado deal. If you're a team in the Big 12 and you're seeing all this hype around Colorado is going to be a big dog, Colorado is going to win in the new Big 12, now you can say, hey, look, Maybe Colorado's not that good. Maybe it's us you should be talking about. Well, what about the, for the flip side of that? Texas and Oklahoma. This Texas versus Kansas game was, was disheartening. We are now down to two undefeated teams in the Big 12. They are Texas and Oklahoma. I, I, I am so confident that Jason Bean is a good quarterback. I am. But maybe we just prove that Texas defense is pretty good. Bean went 9 for 21. 9 for 21. 136 yards and a touchdown. Devin Neal? Oh, it's maybe maybe worse stat line on Saturday. Eight carries, 45 yards. And the leading receiver for the Kansas Jayhawks? One reception, 58 yards. That big touchdown for Trevor Wilson. That was it. Texas dominated this game. A.D. Mitchell, 10 receptions, 141 yards. Jonathan Brooks, 21 carries, 218 yards, and two touchdowns. Quinn Ewers, 25 for 35, 325 yards. All he needed was one passing touchdown. That's all he needed for Texas to beat Kansas, 40 to 14. Now, I know we keep making this case that Kansas Kansas is Kansas, right? This isn't a a powerhouse program. It's not somebody who has historically owned the Big 12, right? Of course, Texas should be Kansas. But Kansas did beat BYU. 
and and Kansas was ranked. And there were a lot of things to point to for an undefeated 4-0 Kansas team to say, wait a second, what if this squad's actually good? What if they could actually make waves in the Big 12 and actually be a, a formidable opponent for somebody? Then Texas meets them and says, huh, you think this is a formidable Big 12 opponent? 40-14 to 14 final score. The Kansas offense was not good. I didn't feel like the Kansas defense was bad. I watched a majority of the first half of this game uh, while I was I, I was trying to deal with the whole Baylor-UCF thing, right? That was the big story of Saturday. But I watched the majority of the first half of this game and thought, wait a second. Kansas defensively is hanging around. They're, they're keeping Quinn Ewers. They're holding him at bay. This feels like a Kansas opportunity to do something special. Ewers was not throwing the ball particularly well in the first half. He was running the ball fine. He couldn't launch it. And I thought, all right, this is a recipe for Kansas to maybe slip up on Texas, but maybe sneak up and at least cover. I had Kansas covering, remember? 17 points. It's a lot of points. 40 to 14. Other games in the Big 12 that made me sad. Oklahoma over Iowa State. What did I tell you? In this game, I told you there is no way. 21 points is too much. Iowa State, will their defense is too good to lose by 21 points. Final score, 50 to 20. Iowa State allowed 21 points in the first quarter. Look, I, 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 after the win against Oklahoma State, despite that loss to Ohio, I, I don't think Iowa State uh, has Matt Campbell on the hot seat. That they're, they're, they're in this threat-level midnight scenario, but Rocco back. Again, 15 for 33 is bad, man. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. That's not a good ratio. 188 yards. That's bad. Nobody... For Iowa State, rushed for more than 70 yards. 150 as a team, 202 passing yards, 352 total yards, but they just weren't that good. The offense put up 10 points in the first quarter, 10 points in the second quarter. Even at 40 to 20 at halftime, I thought, okay, Iowa State can somehow find a way in the second half to put up 14 points. Maybe the defense steps up, holds Oklahoma to three. We find some way to backdoor cover, at least make this thing interesting, maybe vaguely interesting even. And instead, Iowa State says, no, what if Oklahoma's legit? What if Oklahoma has a Dylan Gabriel that can throw for 366 yards, three touchdowns, an interception, a 95.8 QBR, 9.4 yard average, 26 for 39, rush for 157 yards by committee, by committee, which is more than what Iowa State was able to do, far more yards than Iowa State could do, and Jaleel Farouk. They're just good at football. It makes me sit back and think, oh, no. From Danny Stutzman, Key Lawrence, Reggie Pearson, Peyton Bowen, what if this Oklahoma defense is good? Ethan Downs is good. What if this Oklahoma defense is good? What if this Texas defense is good? This Texas offense is good enough for Oklahoma and Texas to play in the Big 12 championship. That's bad. For others of you, Texas Tech, nicely done. You, you took care of business like you should. Houston is one of the worst teams in the Big 12 this year. Law of averages. Some teams have to be good. Some teams have to be bad. Houston's bad. Texas Tech took advantage. First half was sloppy. Final score, 49-28. Looks great. You covered by a lot. Nicely done. West Virginia. What a win. We're going to deep dive into you. What a win. Baylor over UCF. What a Shocking whatever that was. And BYU over Cincinnati. You look at you go. This. It's locked on Big 12.
Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It is your team, and it's every day. Today's show is sponsored by LinkedIn Talent Solutions. Sometimes you're looking for talent. Sometimes you're looking for solutions. Why not merge the two? These days, every new hire feels like a high-stakes risk. It's a risk for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people that, for your team faster and for free. Add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame. You kind of explain what you're doing and why you're doing it. It's, right. it's, why, it's why I hired an intern because I found some great applicants at LinkedIn Talent Solutions. Then you go there, simple tools, screening questions, make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills, experience, so you can quickly prioritize who you want to hire and who you want to interview and who you want to bring in to work for your company. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs, number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockdownCollege. LinkedIn.com slash LockdownCollege. Post your job for free. Keep in mind, terms and conditions do apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, hello there, West Virginia. You know what I said last week? I said West Virginia will likely not beat TCU. There's a really good chance TCU wins this game, but one of my locks of the week was West Virginia plus 14. I thought there was no way West Virginia doesn't at least keep this game close with C.J. Donaldson, even if Nico Markiel was the starting quarterback. I thought this West Virginia offense with its running game can at least make it interesting. And I'm going to tell you something. Let me tell you something. I am still, still riding the West Virginia train, but for different reasons. This defense, I'm going to say it, is the best defense in the entire Big 12. It's the best defense in the Big 12 right now. If you look at the body of work of what West Virginia is doing right now, they are putting opposing teams in blenders. It's a TCU offense. I have seen Chandler Morris throw over 500 yards with my own eyes. And TCU shut him down. He looked lost. The final drive where he's supposed to go and, and try to you know find a way to win this game for his team and be the hero. Everybody's expecting, all right, TCU. You know, they were still West Virginia, 24-21, plus points. A couple of times down there, right, where TCU has the ball, down by three, opportunity to tie it, opportunity to take the lead. And we start thinking, all right, West Virginia is plus 120. Should I take it? Or should I take TCU minus 120? Right? The, the obvious thing is the TCU is going to march down and they're going to take the lead. Vegas even like TCU down the stretch. It's a West Virginia team that held Duquesne to 17 points. You say held. It's like, oh, wow. 17 to Duquesne. You know, you should be, teams like that should be scoring 10 on you, maybe. Well, then Nico Markiel only threw for 60 yards. But West Virginia held Pittsburgh to six points. You thought, okay, that's a much better defensive performance. This is where West Virginia is leaning on the rushing game of the defense. How, how about long drives? How about drawn-out drives in defense? 
And when that became the identity, it felt like that with the, the Pittsburgh game. It said, okay, we don't need Garrett Green to go throw for 250 yards. We don't need anybody to do that. We can do just enough in the run game. We can, we can extend drives, but lean on defense. We can be the Iowa of the Big 12. It's not always going to be entertaining. It's not always going to be fun. But if you like sacks, if you like great play inside the box, then you're going to like West Virginia. That's the identity the Mountaineers took over with Neil Brown. 17-6 to final score against Pittsburgh. 20-13 to against Texas Tech. What are you noticing here? Low scoring defensive battles. TCU, 24-21. You held the Horn Frogs to 21 points this week. The Sunny Dykes, high-powered, old SMU offenses, 21 points in a win against the Horn Frogs. I watched a majority of this game because I had stake in it. I told you that one of my locks of the week was to take West Virginia plus 14. I really thought West Virginia was going to put up at least a fight. You go into halftime at 21 to 14, you think, okay, West Virginia's down. How will this team respond? Because allowing 21 points in the first half for West Virginia is something abnormal. We're not really used to that. It's like, all right, geez, this defense is supposed to be so good that this shouldn't be an issue. It shouldn't already be 21 points on the board for TCU. But then, what do you say not only West Virginia pitches a shutout in the second half, but if you watch the game the way they did it, what I'm saying, if you're a fan of another team, if you're a fan of a BYU, if you're a fan of a, of a Baylor or of a TCU, you're a fan of Oklahoma State, even if you play, if you play West Virginia or you don't, I want you to know, this might be the best defense in the entire Big 12. And right now, they make a strong case for the answer to that to be a, uh, the answer of whether they are or not to be yes. TCU offensively was not god awful, right? They're, they're, they're not a bad team in general. 433 total yards, 23 first downs. But the big thing here is timely play. That's something that I've started to notice. BYU is kind of the spark for this on Fridays. Who, who, who is the best defensively on third down? Because TCU was six for 16, one for two on fourth down. And when it felt like the, the third downs were the biggest, the fourth downs were the biggest late in the game, right? Where, where TCU's offense was fine in the first half, obviously. But when things mattered the most, West Virginia stepped up. The Horn Frogs this year have not wanted to run the ball for 250 yards. They, they want to throw the ball at Chandler Morris. He's held under 300 yards passing. TCU, TCU under 150 yards rushing. 38 carries. 3.6 yards per rush. That's shut down. Now, by the end of this game, we are forcing, we being West Virginia, forcing TCU to throw the football. When you know TCU is going to throw the football, you can key in on it. And that's exactly what the Mountaineers did. I'm watching this game. I was at a bar here in Orlando after the Baylor-UCF game thinking, all right, the defense has been good in the second half, but is there any way it can sustain in the biggest drives? I just watched Duke and Notre Dame. Notre Dame going and scoring on that final drive. It's like it's the script in college football that the, the final drive, that team's going to score, they're going to win the game. Not on West Virginia. Zero points for TCU in the second half. And the more I watch this Neil Brown team, the more I think, what if Neil Brown's secretly a genius? Did he lose a lot of games early on in his West Virginia career just to build this underdog mentality, just to build this, oh, you want to fire me? You want to put our team at last in the Big 12? And then to come out this year with that offensive line, with C.J. Donaldson carrying the rock, even in a week where C.J. Donaldson wasn't a world beater, with Garrett Green running the rock more than C.J. Donaldson. Better than C.J. Donaldson, more efficiently than C.J. Donaldson. 
This is where Neil Brown looks around the conference and says, hey, I told you I wasn't going to be last. And not only was I not going to be last, there's a realm in which I go 10 and 2. There's a realm in which I go 9 and 3. I'm looking at this West Virginia team, and it's scary now. The team that I once had at 1 and 11 will win against Houston on the road. That's not a question. You get a bye week going into Houston. That's a win. Oklahoma State's not good. That's a win. UCF just lost to Baylor. That's a win. BYU at home. I think West Virginia, having seen BYU play, is the more physical team. That right now, right now, as of today, is a win for West Virginia. Oklahoma on the road. We'll call it a loss because it, it, it very well should be, could be. Cincinnati at home. That's a win. Baylor on the road. That's a win. I mean, look, Cincinnati is legitimately staring down the barrel of nine and three. 10 and 2, and Neil Brown. What are we talking buyouts for? He's the coach of the West Virginia Mountaineers, and I guess he will be for a while. He is pulling a fast one on all of college football, especially on me here at Locked On Big 12, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'll tell you what, I had a lot of beer tonight. I did. I thought, you know, after the game, Baylor and UCF, I should go and celebrate somehow, right? Luckily, they were all non-alcoholic brews from Athletic Brewing Company so that I could be stone cold sober for this year's show. This year program, the Dose Grande, that you make your first listen every single day. These non-alcoholic beers are, are wild because they taste just like actual beers. And they really are actual beers, you think about it. Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed this whole beer, non-alcoholic beer game. These non-alcoholic beers taste good, full flavor, well-crafted. They're award-winning, great-tasting, 50 styles of craft, non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, golden, sours, and more. Constantly releasing new and limited, uh, limited edition items as well. Fit for all times, watching a big game, at your kid's game, tackling work, working out. Athletic Brewing Company. No hangovers. You can find them in stores. They're for the fastest growing non-alcoholic beer brand in the U.S. And right now, you can change the drinking game with non-alcoholic brews from Athletic Brewing Company. First-time customers, you code, use code Locked On to get 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, on O-N at checkout or 15% off at athleticbrewingcompany.com. That's Athletic Brewing Co. Athleticbrewing.com. Near beer. Exclusions, conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company fit for all times. How about the UCF Knights and the Baylor Bears? Wow. I am blown away with the gross incompetence of UCF late in this game. I, I, I get it. Baylor's got Blake Shapen back. He's a good quarterback. UCF is missing John Rice Plumley. They're leaning on Timmy McLean, who honestly I have praised on this show. I've said that UCF could be a dark horse, Big 12 champion candidate. And at 21 to nothing, eight minutes into this game against Baylor, that's what I thought. I thought, all right, sweet. Okay, we're watching a, a, a legit Big 12 contender despite the loss of their starting quarterback. Good for them. You, you watch the way that UCF was able to run the ball and pose as well in the, in the running game, the passing. It felt, the entire offense felt like it felt like the entire offense was getting whatever it wanted against Baylor early on. And then 
Timmy McLean finishes 13 for 25, 234 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. That, that, that 13 for 25 is not good. Blake Shapin, 21 for 34, 293 yards and a touchdown. 66.7 QBR is not great, but it's better than, better than Timmy McLean's 60.1. West Virginia, UCF, I'm sorry, 235 yards on the ground. Baylor only 153. Most of those because Blake Shapin had minus negative, negative 24 yards because of the sacks. But Monterey Baldwin was allowed seven receptions, 150 yards, and a touchdown for the Bears. And the defense. The Baylor defense, Matt Jones leading the way. Devin Bobby. Cooper Lands. Some of these names, man, like a, like a Devin Bobby, a Cooper Lands. We, 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 DJ Coleman. We didn't think that these guys were going to be people we were naming off on the Jose Grande. But teams like UCF said, come on, man. Come and hype them up. 35 to 7 score. UCF on top of Baylor. And it's the largest comeback in Baylor history. All you have to do, Gus Malzon. I'm putting it squarely on the head coach. No coordinators here. No players here. The head coach. When you lead like that and then allow 26 points in the fourth quarter, partially, you know, and people can say a large part of this is your defense, right? Defense has got to come up with stops. And I, I get it. That That's yes, sure. But offensively, you can't play not to lose. You can't abandon a game plan that's worked so well for you the entire game. And then you allow a far, I, I would say a far inferior Baylor team to win. Now, and Blake Shapen said this post game that that so many people would be doubting Baylor. They would still doubt Baylor. Well, yeah, I, I think that there's some truth to that. They, they there should be some doubts for the Baylor Bears because this is one win. <laughs> this is one win. Baylor's now one and one in Big Twelve play. Is this sustainable or is this a fluke? We'll see. But for UCF. I was at the game. This is the better team. UCF's the better team. And we have a lead like that, a 28-point lead. Baylor's largest comeback prior to this was 21 points. That's, a, that's a, an entire touchdown gap that UCF allowed. I wish I could help you, but this is bad. Gus Malzahn should not be fired. No, nobody, nobody should be fired over this. John Rice Plumley comes back, and this game is different. When he does come back, the, the, the makeup of UCF and Big 12 play is different. But this is unacceptable. This can't happen. Opening, opening game of Big 12 play in Orlando, and the entire crowd leaves at 35-7. Let's go drink. Let's go do whatever. Let's be merry outside of the stadium. Then Baylor starts to march back. There's zero atmosphere. And in the end, Colton Boomer has a kick block. Not all sunshine and roses in the Big 12. Welcome to a league where stupid things happen every week. Where teams like TCU that are supposed to win by two touchdowns, teams like UCF that are supposed to win by two touchdowns, just lose sometimes. That is the makeup of the Big 12. It doesn't always make sense. It seldom makes sense, but it's the Dose Grande. I don't get it. How do you let this game slip through your fingertips? I don't get it. I do get you making this your first listen every single day, and I thank you for that. Oh, coming up tomorrow, I, I want to talk pretty soon about my trip to BYU because it was just spectacular, really spectacular, and talk about some of the folks that I met um, 
as well as get into the details of the whole Monty show thing. I'm sure you saw that. That was a little sad. I don't, you know, nobody's ever said that I uh, have no credibility. That was kind of harsh, but let's address it. You know, I have no, uh, no love lost for those guys, despite some harsh words. I think they um, probably spoke in, uh, probably spoken in a rash way. Uh, and and maybe those guys would agree with that now since they've kind of walked back some of their comments. So we'll break that down and more right here on Locked On. Thanks for making it your first listen every single day. Dose Grande.